The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to The First Cut. I'm Greg Ducharm, joined today by Rick Gaiman and Mark Immelman. And after two rounds here at the Century Tournament of Champions, there is a lot to get into today, and we are wasting no time. I love getting to watch uh, to watch PGA Tour golf here in prime time, and it's even better to talk about it getting pretty close here to late night. So um, as we get started here and, and getting through some of these topics, we have a very interesting leaderboard. It is a, a very packed group, and it's on a new golf course. The Kapalua course, the plantation course, is new. And, Rick, I'll ask you. When you look at the, the changes they've made to the golf course, what do you think is the most significant change they've made so far this year? Well, first off, aloha, Greg. It is nice to have uh, a little little primetime golf action. Yeah, I mean, I think it's those extra bunkers that they put in, kind of in those areas where the ball generally rolls out and, and you can kind of catch a bad lie in a bunker, you know. That that's really I think the the part of this that uh that has been updated that to me is making the the biggest impact to some of these players now you know the 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 weather that we're seeing is is uh, also impactful but that's not part of part of the updates I just think those strategically placed bunkers are uh they're definitely something to, that these guys are having to consider when they're hitting their shots and and when you look at this overall are you a fan. Yeah, I think so. I mean, listen, I think there's only so much you can do. It's a, it's a beautiful resort course that gets played, uh, 99.9% of the time by vacationers and guys who want to have fun and just be able to play a course that, uh, the PGA Tour travels to. So I don't know how much you could, you could do if the attempt is to give this thing a little bit more teeth and not have 30 under par win it all the time. So yeah, in general, I don't think it's been a, a massive change. You know, I've seen a couple of different gr- green complexes and they're in theory playing a little bit more firm than, than we've seen in years past, but no, I, I am enjoying it. I, I think the firmness of the greens is something that just comes from new greens. I think as the years goes on, uh, that will settle down. But I look at the changes to the golf course and, and the leaderboard it's produced is pretty strong. We have Xander Shoffley leading the way at nine under par. He hasn't made a bogey in 53 straight holes. Patrick Reed, Joaquin Neiman, Ricky Fowler, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Thomas round out the top six in this tournament. And Mark, I'll ask you, first of all, welcome to the show. And also, do you think there's uh, any coincidence that all six of these players on top of the leaderboard played in the President's Cup? Do you think there's a, a big advantage of that, or is that just coincidence? Um, I don't think it's any coincidence whatsoever, and it's so good to be with you guys. Yeah, I've just gotten back from a, an international jaunt, and it's nice to be back in the United States and kind of battling with some jet lag, as I'm sure some of the guys <laughs> are there. But we, we saw someone like a Matt Kuchar who traveled straight from Australia to Hawaii, stayed there, and just spend time with the family. So I don't think there's any coincidence whatsoever. You play in the President's Cup. You're one of the top 24 golfers in the world. These guys are all playing well. If they were racehorses to me, they, they, they lightly run right now. And 
you know, there's a thing, everyone tosses the term around rust. And for guys who didn't play in the President's Cup, the last competitive foray they had was a good ways ago. And there's been some vacation time and some festive period time. So for the President's Cup guys, they just got the feels going on. You know, they, the golf swing's sort of there. They've had some competition because as you well know, in competition, things feel different to what they do in practice. So I'm not really surprised that we're seeing the same campaigners atop the leaderboard. I think the one that's striking to me out of all of those is Joaquin Neiman because we all know that the golf course, despite the changes, it just loves the driver and welcomes a wedge. I mean, if you can bust it off the tee and wedge it well, I was there on the call for JT back in 17. You know, those guys who can drive the thing, sling it and wedge well, are going to do well. So Xander does that, Patrick does that, Fowler does that, Cantley does that, JT obviously does. And then there's Joaquin Neiman who is coming off not the best President's Cup ever, but a great growing experience. And he has a guy who's hanging tough and played beautifully in the in the difficult conditions this afternoon. So when you look, when you look at uh, and Mark, just a follow up on Joaquin Neiman here, it was a little bit of a shaky start after a great round of seven under par yesterday. He got off to a start where he was one over in his first five holes, and he was able to battle back with a birdie on the par five nines. But then another bogey on on the thirteenth hole before making birdie at fifteen and sixteen to get it in. Uh, under par when you look at Joaquin Neiman this week do you think that was a round that was his quote-unquote bad round for the week or do you think that the the difficult conditions just made this uh, a tougher day than yesterday that's a really good question Uh, obviously with the conditions they keep one uncomfortable and and one of the players I think it might have been uh, Xander Shoffley said you know we golfers we need to adjust you know because conditions were changing all of the time and the ultimate measure of the pro is how well they adjust on the fly. So I think with Joaquin, you're playing in the final twosome, you're playing with JT, there's some expectation. It's always tough, as we all know, to follow up a low round, so maybe there was some of that. But, but I was just impressed by the way he hung in there. I mean, he wrote a fantastic putter. He's currently second in the field, strokes gain on the greens. Um, he, he kept the bad day at bay, and it was one lesson that Nick Price taught me way back. He's like, I became a tournament winner when I was able to get by my bad day and I turned it into something that was par or better. And that's what Neiman did today. So he kept himself in the mix. And, and I'm sure now he's got that behind him that'll settle him down for a, a, a decent, I would say, run on the weekend. And as you mentioned, adjustments on the PGA Tour, it is such an important thing. We saw it from Joaquin. We also heard it from Patrick Reed in his post-round uh, press conference. He talked about how in Thursday's round, he was trying to hit a draw off the tee. It just wasn't working, and he had to go to the fade. And he has basically rallied his way back right into contention and, and shot the best round of the day today. So, uh, Rick, I, I ask you, when you look at Patrick Reed's round today, and you mentioned some of this on Twitter with, with the putting, this is a really special putting week so far for Patrick Reed. Just how special is this in terms of his career? Yeah, super special. So uh through two rounds, he's already gained 7.1 strokes on the greens, which if you go back to the last three or four years, his last 74 tournaments, he's already outpaced 72 of his four round tournaments. So think about that. In two rounds, he's basically already having the best 
strokes gained putting week of his, you know, last four years. So it's something really special. And unfortunately, it's a little bit concerning because that's the type of thing that you got to have a lot of magic beans to be able to cash in and keep it going for four straight rounds because, you know, the, the rest of his game has not been up to snuff. Now, to your to your point, Greg, uh, the impressive part is keeping it all together, making the adjustments when when the course calls for it or the weather calls for it. So Reed is still very much uh, a contender in this tournament. I we, we talked about this a couple of days ago, the massive chip on his shoulder that he had coming into this week and for him to go out and and fire the low round of the day um even if it was all you know earned on the greens you got to think he's going to bed resting easy tonight thinking he's in contention for the weekend in a big way he was it, coming into this event there's so much scrutiny on him not only is he pa- uh, paired with Kevin Kisner who kind of gave him a little bit of a shot a couple I guess it was yeah. last year uh, and and he comes in now with all this scrutiny on him and when he gets done with his round He's asked about it. He's asked about what happened at the Hero World Challenge and what happened during the President's Cup and how he's learned from these weeks. Mark, when you listened to that interview, did you hear anything in his answer that gives you any uh, any promise going forward, or does it change your opinion on on Patrick in any way? Not really. You know, I've 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 been fortunate to be alongside and 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 to call a number of his wins from you know when he was coming out of college, and I was there for the first win at the Wyndham, um, and. And, and let's, let's, let's take a step back just to sort of be able to take a step forward. Um, he was the ultimate Monday qualifier and to be able to do that, you've got to be able to put stuff behind you in a hurry and then to get out on the tour and, and, and get by, you know, sort of the Jordan Spieth, he's the golden boy. I'm the uh, anti-hero, if you will. And I knock off Spieth in a playoff at the Wyndham. You know, you've got to be able to let water flow off a duck's back. So Reed has that gear and he has it in spades. You know, to take a step back into college even, you know, he was the guy that led Augusta State to those two national championships and he sort of carried them single-handedly and, and he did that amidst a lot of criticism from former teammates at, at a different place. And so again, you've got to be able to let the stuff just, you know, flow and, and he's always had that gear and it looks like he's dealing with it some more. Um, he, he made a chirp at the Australian fans saying they were hostile. But then he said, well, look, they were still very respectful and such. So he's doing the right thing. And as Paul Ezinger said, he has to from now on do the right thing constantly and make it a habit. He has to be whiter than white now because the scrutiny is going to double down, you know, no matter what's happening, social media, whatever the case might be. I just think he has the ability mentally and emotionally to deal with it. He has and it looks like he is again. It almost seems like it, it elevates his game. It seems like when Patrick Reed is in the spotlight, whether it's good or bad, he, he elevates his game to an entirely new level and he is difficult to beat. He will get it done however he needs to. When, when I look at what Patrick Reed has done so far this week, he's uh, 26th in strokes gained tee to green for the week. It, it's not great. He hasn't hit a lot of fairways. He's tied 30th in fairways hit, hitting just 21 of 30 with these really wide fairways. To me, I look at, Patrick Reed, and I think over the weekend, he can probably start to get a, a couple more balls in the fairway. As wide as these fairways are, as soft as they are, I think he's going to be able to, to find the fairway and rely on that putting. I don't think he's going to need to continue to putt this way. I mean, this is, as as Rick mentioned, it's really hot putting. I don't think he's going to need that going forward. But the, the only player on the leaderboard above Patrick Reed is Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley enters the week with a new golf ball in play, a new driver, and a new putter, and it doesn't seem to be harming him. He has now played 53 consecutive holes at this tournament. 
going back all the way to the first hole last year in the final round. That was the last time he made a bogey at this tournament. And Rick, I ask you, when, when you look at a Xander Shoffley, do you think that Xander is an underrated player in the midst of players like Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and Justin Thomas and all these really bright shining stars, not even mentioning Tiger Woods that we have in the game now? I, it's really difficult. I mean, obviously being a top 10 player in the world, it's, it's difficult to say that you're underrated. We had the same issue a couple of days ago with, with like, is John Rahm underrated at, at the third, you know, third ranked player in the world? I, I think a lot of what the general public and or the media uh, pushes towards these guys is, is, is based a lot on their personality, right? So Xander, very quiet, easy, laid back guy. Nothing really ever gets to him. You know, he, he doesn't cause a lot of, of storylines. He's not the, the Patrick Reed where something is always happening to him. He just goes about his business and he puts himself in the contention. So in that way, yes, I think he's either underappreciated, uh, because we don't yeah, hear. Yeah, maybe that's at, a better word. Yeah, because we don't hear as much about him. As we should. I mean, he just continues. I mean, 50, however many uh, bogeyless holes in a row is an unbelievable feat. He's one of only two guys in this field to be gaining strokes in all four categories. He, you know, barnstorms Gary Woodland last year, and it looks like he's putting himself in a position to raise the trophy again come Sunday evening. Now, you mentioned personality, and this to me is really interesting. And I think after after the first two rounds of this tournament, I think this is the story of the week so far. And uh, you look at personalities on the PGA Tour, and there are a couple of ways in today's day and age where we can get to know the personalities of the player. One is through social media. We can follow players on social media, on their Instagram and Twitter accounts, and get to know them a little bit. We can get to know them in interviews after the rounds. And to the credit of the PGA Tour, they're, they're trying to find new ways to let us in a little bit more during the round of golf. And one way is through open mics. And today, um, on, on the 17th hole, we had a, a little issue with Patrick Cantlay on the 17th hole and, and it was an open mic and he was kind of, I'm not sure if he was telling a story or he, he was just kind of talking with the guys in the group shooting the breeze a little bit and a word slipped out that um, he may regret in the future. And it was uh, something that they had to apologize for on the broadcast. It was something I don't think was intended to be heard. So um, Mark, when, when you look at that situation, do you think we should have open mics on the tour or do you think that the interviews and the social media is enough of an avenue to get to know these players? Yeah, I do some of my best announce work when there's an open mic going on because I don't have to say a thing. (laughs) 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 The open mic is crucial. All the fans want to hear it. They don't want to hear some guy like me on the golf course telling you what the yardage is and what the guy's been doing and what the trends are. Uh, Players want to hear caddy, uh, fans want to hear caddy and player interaction and and the open mic is is dangerous. We all know. We've we've seen it in the past with luminaries such as Tiger Woods and all manner of guys. What what struck me by that entire thing was all the times that I've been alongside calling Pat, uh, Patrick Cantlay. The guy barely ever says a word. I mean, <laughs> he's Patty Rev, Mad Minister, does all the talking, and Patrick just sort of nods. And if he mutters something, it's under his breath. So he was pretty animated about the story. I giggled. I, I found it. Yeah. Good completely hilarious but but it's just it's the nature of the beast beast uh when they when they're showing taped shots you're not going to hear that sort of stuff because the replay editor can cut that out um but when it's live golf you 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 likely to hear anything it's uh, players are playing there's emotion there's all sorts of stuff on the go 
I'm not sure who he was referring to or who the story was about, but I found it sort of amusing. And, and my phone blew up because there were a number of my friends going, this is the kind of golf announcing we like. And I, <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it, it's definitely very interesting. There, there's a, a lot to get into here. So, Rick, I'll, I'll let uh, I'll bring you in on this as well. Do you think that this is a problem when you watch this? Do you think this is something that we need to solve, or do you think this is just the way that it is, and it's something we can all have a laugh about, and and it's no big deal? There is no problem to solve here. This is exactly when you're tuning in to Mark's point, exactly what you want to hear for a few reasons. When you hear the the player caddy conversation, you get a much better appreciation of how good these players actually are. When, when that caddy is giving a, a target of the guy in the red shirt behind, you know, next to the tower and a two yard draw and just like roll, it's just like unbelievable how dialed in these guys are. And you get a lot of good stuff, you know, JT on 18, the literally, I mean, he, he hits his ball into the left, uh, rough or the, the, the thick stuff where he's never going to find it. And, and an open mic catches him saying sarcastically, it's the largest fairway in the world. And it's like, that's hilarious. Like, that's great. And you get to see these guys personality who before tonight, you know, I just assumed Patrick Cantlay's resting heart rate was 25 and he like <laughs> has never said anything interesting in his entire life. Uh, like now I'm a fan for life. This is great. Like if you only have, if you just have to apologize once out of every 40 times you open up a mic, like I, I think that's okay. No problem whatsoever. Well, it is a good point. I mean, it's not something that happens week in and week out. It, it's not a chronic issue. It's just, it's simply something that's risky. And it sounds like you're both in the, in the camp here where, uh, it, it's worth the risk because what we get is so great. And we did hear it with Justin Thomas as well after he hits a shot into the wind a little bit earlier in the back nine and he gets his, his white, uh, as we learned, polo pants all covered in mud and he gets a divot to the face. And it's entertaining to hear that. And, and it gives him a little opportunity to uh, plug his company and represent his brand, which I, I look at that as something that's a that's a good thing. I just I think it's risky and I think it's something that can't be simply ignored because it could become uh, somewhat of a problem. While it, it may be amusing once or twice, it, it's something we want to grow the game. We want to bring kids into the game. We want to I want to be able to sit down with my son and watch this game and know that, you know, he's not going to have to deal with any of that. And maybe that's a little bit overprotective, but I think it's something that we have to keep an eye on. Not Maybe there's not a chronic issue going on right now, but it's definitely something here's, I'd like to see in, in the, uh, in the local rule sheet. Here, so to here's speak. what we can, here's what we can do. We'll, we'll, when this gets to a point where we just open up all the mics, uh, we'll, we'll let them say whatever they want. We'll turn it into a pay-per-view. You can pay $9.99 for it. Mark can say whatever he wants on the coverage, right? No holds bar. And we'll just let these guys go at it. It'll be an extra revenue stream for the tour. Right? Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Mark, you were saying? I, I hear you, Greg. And, um, I have kids too. And I'm also a college coach on the side. And, and, and I see the effect that the top golfers have on the junior golfers because, you know, we've all aspired to be like someone. And, you know, the, the current generation of golfers are they, they aspirant Tiger Woods followers. And, and, and the language is a thing. It's got to be managed. But, you know, in the heat of, heat of competition, sometimes this stuff comes out. And is it right? No. Is it entertaining? Sure. The thing that bothers me more is the club throwing by certain individuals. And then I, it, it grinds my gears if we're going to dig into the semantics of it all now and, and just get in the weeds. When some, cause, cause, cause the camera shot will go on the player, on the shot, the catch camera will get the golf ball, and then they'll swing back to get a player reaction. 
it, it, it just winds me up when the player just hocks this massive loogie and spits out this animal onto the fairway. I mean, it's, that stuff is disastrous and ghastly. So uh, if, if we're talking about things that bother us, that's the big one because I see college players and juniors thinking it's cool to be spitting everywhere and tossing clubs around the place. That for me, I, I think is a bigger issue. And if, if, if something needs to be addressed, that might be it. Um, but trust me, Patrick Cantlay is going to get a message from the PGA Tour in his locker and he'll, he'll have to pay a fine and he'll be cognizant of it next time he sees those microphones on the tee. Well, as long as there's some, as long as there's some sort of consequence, and I don't think it has to be a major consequence. I just, I don't think it can be ignored. So if he gets a little note in his locker, has to pay a little fine. And if it just makes him think a little bit more the next time he's in that situation, then I, I have no problem with it. Cause as I said, I don't think it's that big of an issue. But as speaking of, um, of open mics, we heard a lot from Justin Thomas today in the open mics and we saw an interesting round from Justin Thomas. He starts off with a birdie on the first hole, follows it up with three consecutive bogeys and then rallies to make another birdie right after that and ends up at, at two under par before making a disappointing bogey on the 17th hole, which was a little sloppy. And we saw some frustration out of Justin Thomas that I'm not accustomed to seeing. And, and it led to a big hook into the weeds on, on the 18th tee shot. And he ends up making a bogey on a par five, which I, to me was a little bit disappointing. So Rick, when you look at Justin Thomas, does that bit of frustration there concern you? Do you think that's the weather getting to him? What do you think happened with JT at the end of the round there? I just think he's frustrated that, you know, he made a bunch of birdies and made a bunch of bogeys today. It was uh, kind of an up and down type of round where he's dealing with, you know, his game kind of going all over the place and he's dealing with the weather going all over the place. And yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, JT, not a lot gets to this guy and he's one of these guys that I think can turn that fire into going on a birdie run, right? Like we've seen at the President's Cup, we kind of saw him just put his head down, get to work and, and start making a bunch of birdies. But it is a little disappointing to see him come in bogey, bogey, especially on 18, which I think he made only the sixth bogey on 18 all day. It was like the third easiest hole on the course, but he is still, I mean, only three shots back. He's the, he's the only guy within six shots of the lead that is losing strokes putting on the week. So if he turns the putter around, he catches one hot day. Uh, he's right back in this thing. And I think he knows it. Mark, do you think there's a difference between closing around with a, a couple of bogeys in a row and making a couple of bogeys a, a little bit early, maybe early in the back nine or, or late in the front nine? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, no one said it yet, but, but I have to reference the fact that, that plantation course uh, at, at Couple, mm. it is a beast to walk. Yeah. It is mammoth. And that front nine, you go up the hill some, then you go down in the valley. And then the back nine, you are climbing hills until you get to the highest part of the golf course there on 17T. And then there's some respite back down the hill. So it's a hard slog. And going doing that through the weather, I, I could see why the guy's emotions were a little frayed by then. And then with play getting a little slower, we saw uh, JT and, and Jaco Neiman drop the anchor on 12T. Uh, 14T, I believe it was, when that rain squall came through, and that adds five minutes to the round. And by that stage, the guys are uh, a little threadbare, I would say. So I, I'm, I'm sure there was frustration setting in just because of the grueling aspect of the golf course in the day. But to your point, Greg, finishing with two bogeys, heck, finishing with a bogey on 18, that's going to leave a rough taste in the mouth. And I'd much rather do that early. But when he won back here in 2017, he was coming from off the pace uh, after 36 holes, and, and over the weekend, he just hit the accelerator, and we know he can do that. 
He's got good feelings around this place. He looks like he is swinging beautifully, and uh, and he's gonna he's gonna have his share today. I just don't think he putted very well, and 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 then that bogey on 17 that was on the heels of a, a mishit second shot more than a bad putt. I think just wore him out some, but uh, he'll be fine on the weekend, and I wouldn't be surprised if if he's not in the reckoning come late Sunday afternoon. Only sitting three shots behind Xander Shoffley, who may be a tough man to catch. If Xander knows anything about this golf course, he knows that it is possible to come from behind as he came back on Gary Woodland last year. <laughs> Gary Woodland had a five-shot lead, shot five under par in the final round, and Xander beat him. So Xander knows better than anybody what it takes on the weekend to to get the job done around here. One more player I'd like to get into before we take a quick break is Ricky Fowler. And Ricky Fowler now sits seven under par. He's two shots off the lead. And after a really solid round yesterday, he follows it up with a, a, a very, very steady start. He makes, he pars all nine holes on the front side and then makes a par on 10 and then a disappointing bogey at 11, which is just, you, you've made 10 pars in a row. You feel like it's going well. You're in tough conditions and all of a sudden you're going backwards with one weak iron shot. And then, but he did rally and, and he finishes off the round with three consecutive birdies on 14, 15, and 16 to get himself right in the mix. When you look at Ricky Fowler this week, and I'll open this up to both of you, who do you, do you think Ricky Fowler has a good chance of closing the deal here? Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely do. I just looked through the numbers here. I mean, you, you referenced the indiscretion there on that short par three down the hill, but the number of crosswinds, especially when those trade winds start blowing, and he looked like he was setting up to sweep one out the right-hand side to the left hole location, so making the smart play, and then you hit one, and he just blisters it straight through the wind, uh, and so the thing doesn't move as it should. But that being said, um, his third strokes gained off the tee, 11 strokes gained approach, six strokes gained around the green, and 12 strokes gained putting. Um, that that adds up to a pretty good recipe, and, and he is the ultimate – no, ultimate's a big term, but – Ricky, to me, is a heck of a win player. And the forecast is to be the same over the weekend, just with less rain. Heavy crosswinds, gusty. And we saw him at a number of those sort of chop-off, knock-down, two-finger kind of shots. He loves to put the ball down and, and hit a, he gets down the grip on the driver and flats one. So I, I think if you're staying in front of Ricky Fowler, I think you're in good shape on the weekend. I really do. Rick? Yeah, I, I think it was interesting, and I was I was impressed with with Ricky's round because he's one over through eleven. You mentioned that he he goes out, he pars his first ten, then he bogeys eleven, and at that moment, it's very easy for a lot of guys to start pressing. Say, okay, I'm now one over through eleven. I, I think the field's getting away from me a little bit, and then you do something stupid, and and you and you make a couple more bogeys coming in. Ricky Fowler doesn't press. He goes out and he birdies three straight on 14, 15, and 16. This is a place that he's had plenty of success at in the past. This is clearly a course that sets up well for him. His last three finishes here are a sixth, a fifth, and a fourth. So, Greg, I'm 100% guaranteeing Fowler finishes third in this event because that's the natural progression here. <laughs> All right. I, I like it. It's a solid prediction. I love a strong opinion. And now let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back taking a look ahead to the weekend here at the Century Tournament of Champions. It's been a very interesting first two rounds. Uh, and, and now looking ahead into the weekend with this stacked leaderboard, Rick, I'll start with you. When, when you look at this leaderboard, and it is stacked, again, all top six uh, players right now on the leaderboard were players in the President's Cup. Is there anybody on this leaderboard in the top six that you think really has a has a great chance of winning this weekend? Yeah, yeah so, I mean, ju- just I don't even know if we if we talked about it. We, we mentioned how tight this is. Like, I love this. This is aw- this is the way I want golf every single weekend is, is you know, 36 holes to go. And we've got no no idea who's going to win this thing. Uh, absolutely awesome. But I, I kidded or I was joking around uh, in the previous segment about Ricky Fowler finishing third. But when you actually look at the the value of who you would want to bet uh, in a situation like this, I think Ricky Fowler is the best bet. Uh, he's currently sitting at seven to one to win this golf tournament, which is only two shots back. And Xander Shoffley has gained strokes in all four categories. The only other guy in the field to also do that is Ricky Fowler. So he's getting it done in every aspect. He's two off the lead. You're getting great odds on him. He's longer than Patrick Reed. He's longer than Justin Thomas. And, of course, he's longer uh, than Xander Shoffley in the sports book. So this, to me, I think is um, you're starting to get to the point where, like, yeah, I think Cantley could do it. I think Justin Thomas could do it. But only being two back is certainly within striking distance. And as as Rick, uh, as Mark mentioned earlier, he is a great win player, and he he seems to have a, a very uh, high skill level in hitting these various shots around the green. Maybe hitting a 120 yard eight iron, something we don't see week in and week out on the PGA Tour. So definitely fun to watch Ricky Fowler in a situation like that. Mark, over to you. When, when you look at this leaderboard, especially up near the top, is there a favorite that sticks out to you? Ah, oh, man. I- <laughs> I, to me, there's storylines. I think there's a big Patrick Reed storyline over here, and he could. I, I don't think he would remove the monkey from his back with a win, but I think he'd do himself some favors. Um, so I've got my eye on Reed, but but Xander, man, that guy is an assassin, and I don't know if I, that, that is. I'm saying that as a compliment because he is he he is so mentally acute. He's so balanced. Uh, game wise and and he just seems to let things come to him and I love his sound afterwards with Todd Lewis. He said, you know, early in the round my attitude was a bit bad and then the bad weather blew in and I got better and and so <laughs> that's the so comfortable with himself. So uh, Xander is going to be good. He's going to be around uh, I think Joaquin Neiman, the way he's putting is going to be a factor. Ricky, as I mentioned, if you're in front of Fowler, you've got a chance. But I'm looking farther down the leaderboard, and and I, there's something about the way John Rahm is playing right now. And, yeah, I know he's five back. He's four under par. He, he, he was dismal today at the start of the round, but battled his way back on the backside. He's a guy with, playing with oodles of confidence. Um, played the backside and three under, and he's played well here before. And he'll be out a little earlier tomorrow, some in front of the leaders. Now, typically at the plantation course, 
the guy with the most holes to play is the guy that's going to be the favorite because you've got the par five, the 15th, and 16th, you have a wedge, so it's a birdie. 17 is difficult, 18 is a five with a birdie opportunity. So if you're in the latter groups, you've got a chance. But I just have a feeling that John Rahm is going to force his way into contention tomorrow and then be a real factor on Sunday. The, the guy drives the ball well. He hits his irons beautifully, and he started to make some putts, and, and there's that confidence thing. You know, there's no strokes gained measured confidence, but he is as high as a kite right now. He's the highest ranked player in the field. So I've got my eye on Rahm, even though those top six are going to be tough to deal with. And watching John Rahm through the fall, it definitely, it definitely seems like John Rahm has the ability to become a number one player in the world. And it looks like this year, as the year progresses, he's going to be a, a real contender and not only in the majors, but also in that official world golf ranking. So John Rahm is, I think, as good a player as anybody. And, and looking at a player like that, who's only five shots back with two days to play, I think that gives him a real chance. Rick, when you look at this leaderboard, do you think there's a, a number that's too far back? Do you think it, it, we're only, we have 36 holes remaining here? Is there a guy that's maybe at, you know, two, one, one or two or three under par that is still in the mix? Or do you think that's too far back? Yeah, historically, when you start getting five-ish shots back here, you're going to need a pretty, you know, outlier type performance over the next couple of days to go out and win something like this. Now, with that being said, uh, the thing that that plays into the hands of someone trying to chase is over the years, we've seen low numbers out here, uh, especially if you can kind of like there were times where three holes of this course were getting pounded with uh, a torrential downpour and super windy conditions and guys were seeing their shadows because it was so bright and sunny on the other side of it. Like there is a little bit of luck involved on if you're playing the right holes at the right time, you could go out, shoot something low, get a combination of the guys at the top, you know, either staying in place a little bit or just not getting out ahead of you. That opens up the field a little bit. Um, so I think there, I think a lot of these guys are too far back, especially someone like Dustin Johnson, who's currently sitting six shots back, but DJ has literally played and I, I have a, a little financial interest in him this week. So I've been watching a lot of his shots, probably the worst he could ever play. And he's still like tied for 15th. He had his, you know, historically worst off the tee round yesterday, bounced back and, and had the best round of the day off the tee. Uh, in the second round. Like, I think there's a lot of good things to take away from DJ's round, even though there's also a lot of bad things to take away from it. Well, if the, I, Greg, oh, if, go ahead, go ahead, Mark. If I may add something too, um, Rick brings up such a good point when he references DJ and where he is in the field. You know, number of strokes back is one thing. Number of players in front of you is entirely another. And, and for Ram, he's got 12 guys in front of him. For DJ, what's he got? Like 14 or 15 guys in front of him. Mm-hmm. Any of those two guys, you tell them on Friday evening, hey, buddy, there's only 12 guys in front of you. He's licking his chops. <laughs> so, so, so again, I, there's a lot of golf to be played. There's a lot of bad weather out in front. And, and, and I think this whole thing, we'll have a better idea, I think, come tomorrow, Saturday evening. And then, of course, Sunday will be a free-for-all. I absolutely agree. Tomorrow will give us a much better idea. But to the point of of Dustin Johnson, you, you mentioned how many players you have to jump in the field. I also think about who the player is that's sitting at, at five or six shots back. When you look at a John Rahm or a Dustin Johnson, when they're five or six shots back, their chances are a lot higher than when a someone like a Graham McDowell or a Corey Connors or a Matt Kuchar are five or six shots back. The chances are just different because of uh, sometimes it's simple things like the distance they hit the golf ball. It's going to give them more opportunities to make 
birdies and eagles. And I think he can bring that back into play. They're also players who have experience winning. Uh, a John Rahm and a Dustin Johnson, they're players who have come from behind before to get a victory. So I, I don't think it's out of the question for a player like that. But I do think five or six shots is a lot to make up, especially when you have a player like Xander Shoffley up there on top of the leaderboard. You have a Ricky Fowler. You have a Patrick Cantlay. And again, not only how many players do you have to pass, but who are the players that you have to pass? Uh, I, I think that's a, another big factor as well. All right. So, but, uh, as, as we wrap up here, I got to get the, I got to get the final picks in here. Who do we think you got one bet? Who are you going to take on Friday night? Who are you going to take for the weekend? Uh, Rick, I'll start with you. Who's, who's your pick for the weekend? This is very much against my my normal style. I usually go the opposite and take guys who are playing well, tee to green, and are losing uh, on the greens. But before we started, we were big on Patrick Reed, and I will stick with that, uh, being only one shot back. And I, I hope he can just keep that magic putter going for two more days. I think it's a great pick. I, <laughs> I don't know why, but I just have a I have a, a funny Patrick Reed feeling. Mark mentioned the storyline. It's going to be very interesting to see. Mark, who do you got this weekend? Well, I think there's going to be a playoff. Yes. A playoff is okay. three wide. I think you're going to see Shuffley. You're going to see Reed. And I do believe uh, Patrick Cantlay will be a part of that. Ricky Fowler, I feel like we'll finish just one back. And I'm just waxing right now. Hey, I, I, I think Xander defends. I, the way he's playing is, is just phenomenal. And, uh, and he's unflappable. I mean, the, the guy is a superstar and no one ever gives him any credit. So, Xander, I'm giving you love, big guy. Go and do it twice in a row. I'm pulling for you. Sign, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. I'm gonna, sign, I'm gonna, sign me yeah. up for that three-way playoff. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see that as well. And if Xander can be holding the trophy at the end of it, I'm a, I'm a very, very happy man. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for coming on and, and joining me this evening. Uh, it's been a great first two rounds of the tournament. But we hope to see the same, maybe even a little three-way playoff here. So, uh, thanks again for, for being on with me. I'm Greg Ducharme. You can catch me on Twitter at TheRealGFD. Rick Gaiman with us today. He's on, on Twitter at RickRunGood. And Mark Immelman on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.